0: In August 2023, a firestorm in Lahaina, Maui, killed about 100 people, the most of any wildfire in modern U.S. history. As communities begin rebuilding, they're also facing challenges related to disaster capitalism and displacement. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Keikoa Tapara, a postdoctoral medical fellow and resident in the Department of Radiation Oncology at Stanford Medicine. Dr. Tapara has co-authored a perspective article about prioritizing the health of the community during disaster recovery on Maui. Dr. Tapara, what do we know about the destruction caused by the Lahaina fires, including deaths and damages to structures and to the environment? Like other
1: fires throughout the country and the world, this is obviously something that's multifactorial. No individual factor, I think, really contributed to the fires. But in terms of what we think, in terms of this specific event in Lahaina, climate change obviously is something that we're talking a lot about, specifically in the context of hurricane force winds that were sweeping through the islands, which accelerated the spread of the wildfires early in the morning and late into the afternoon. Regarding land and water resources, absolutely. These things were huge factors in terms of the impact these fires had on our communities. For one thing, the historical context can not be understated in terms of how water use and water dispersion has been managed throughout our islands with large companies and luxury real estates really having a lot of the control of the water historically throughout our islands and thus the prioritization of tourism industries Tapping into these water resources have really limited how these waters are used in places like Lahaina, which is historically the drier side of the island. But the historical context being that back when Lahaina was capital of the Hawaiian kingdom, these lands were rich in their aquatic ecosystems with fresh waters really fueling the landscape and with aquatic life being found in the fish ponds, but also the rich nutrients that fed the kalo or taro farms. These were all embedded into the society of our ancestors who really worked on land stewardship in order to care for the land. And thus the land then took care of them as people in the society on these islands. And so with changes in things like how the land has been managed and how the water then gets diverted to these other places, this has only then exacerbated the likelihood of fires then coming to these lands because the water is no longer there to kind of keep things in a state of preventing fires.
0: You say in your perspective article that harms to indigenous Pacific Islanders associated with climate change are exacerbating existing health disparities that are caused by social injustices. So what types of health disparities do Native Hawaiians face?
1: Yes, unfortunately, in our islands, our Native Hawaiian people have the highest rates of certain chronic diseases, including obesity, heart disease, diabetes, kidney disease, substance use, mental health disorders, as well as a variety of different cancers. And this is data from the Hawaii State Department of Health I run a lab of about 20 very talented students, and this is exactly what we focus on. We've published a number of articles related to the health of our indigenous Pacific Islander communities. And in terms of how we evaluate this, one key component is data disaggregation. We really must think about how do we capture the data that is so important to our communities so that our data can be seen moving forward. Because without this data, we wouldn't recognize things like in our own indigenous lands as native Hawaiians, we have the highest rates of all of these chronic diseases. And so, therefore, I do agree that things like climate change that are truly impacting a variety of communities throughout the Pacific are only exacerbating existing disparities within the health of our communities.
0: In your article, you talk about concerns about disaster capitalism in the aftermath of these fires. So, what is disaster capitalism and, and why is it harmful?
1: Disaster capitalism is actually a term, I believe, coined by Naomi Klein in the 2000s, which really emphasizes the exploitation of destabilizing events, including those that are man or non-man made disasters in which different types of private interests or corporations then take advantage of these situations for capitalistic gain. That really is oftentimes at the expense of marginalized communities. And in the situation of Lahaina, with so many lives lost, it was a sad point that happened where the day after the fires, these community members were getting called by foreign interests outside of our islands to then buy out these lands that had been destroyed by the wildfires. And so it really obviously didn't have this time and space for our communities to heal before these corporations were coming from the continent and then kind of asking members of our community to give up land in such a devastating time. And so especially with, for example, housing shortages and the influx of second home buyers from outside investors, this is already been a source of contention where members of our local communities are being bought out by foreign communities. And so therefore, it really is a delicate time in terms of how do we move forward with trying to survive as a people in this state after disaster, while also on top of that combating these external interests that are trying to take advantage of such a disaster in order to gain for themselves in their own private interests. And so moving forward, a lot of the policies that have been in place really have to be focused around protecting members of our community.
0: And what has been the response to that disaster capitalism?
1: Well, I can't speak as obviously a member of the government. I have just observed as a member of the community that there are efforts being put in place to protect some of the people who obviously lost everything. Some of these were multi-generational homes that were paid off and didn't have insurance. And so there are some efforts, I believe within the government that are trying to at least stop some of these, what we call land grabs from happening. Or ultimately, I think what I've observed was that there's true grassroots advocacy occurring within the members of our community, really to serve as a voice of the members of the community, to educate others of what are happening in our islands, but also to advocate to members of our own government to make sure that these practices will not impact the ultimate future of the residents of Lahaina.
0: Finally, you say in your article that steps must be taken to avoid further displacement of Native Hawaiians to prevent additional deterioration of Indigenous health. What other types of policies or programs could help support health and well-being among Native Hawaiians? perhaps including those in the continental United States as well?
1: So one big initiative that I believe needs to be really brought to the forefront of our minds moving forward in terms of the health and well-being of our Native Hawaiian and local communities is really the investment in our physician workforce. Many people who come to our islands who are physicians don't necessarily understand our culture or a way of living. And that can oftentimes deteriorate the patient physician trust. And an investment of the local people, and especially Native Hawaiians, in developing this healthcare worker workforce will then not only bring more physicians and healthcare workers into our healthcare system, but also bring this culturally competent care that we really need, that then would be able to improve health outcomes such as coming to our appointments or making sure that patients are taking their medications. And so there are some efforts, especially in Hawaii, that have focused on recruiting and retaining members of our community in order to go to medical school. But that recruitment is only one component of making sure that we have a strong physician workforce that is driven by members of our community. Going forward, things like retainment is going to be so important. Because things like salaries and wages for our physicians who are local is going to ultimately be able to combat what we experience as the brain drain with some members of a community not being able to practice in an environment where the cost of living is so high that is disproportionate to the opportunities that are available on the continent. So ultimately, investment in the physician workforce, I believe, is going to be able to bolster this new generation of physicians that have this context of our local values, our native Hawaiian values, in order to really put the health and well-being of our local communities at the forefront. Thank
0: you, Dr. Tapara.